0: Hello, everybody, and welcome on into a special holiday edition of Sports Voice After Dark, Season 3. I'm joined alongside Matt McHugh, both of us making our second appearances on the show. I know I was on two weeks ago. Host Austin Miller joked I'd be on the next week. Well, ha, Austin, who's laughing now? It was two weeks, so we got you there. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm, do- I'm
1: doing great, Zach. I'm <laughs> Happy to be back on SPAD, the usual cast of characters
0: back at it. But, Zach, we have one special edition. We do, and we are lucky to be joined by Ben Pope of the Daily Northwestern. Ben's going to be in here talking about some Northwestern baseball. The season starts on Friday down in Arizona. Ben Ben and Matt are going to help go over the, uh, the teams. And then we have a basketball game to talk about as well. Huge win for Northwestern on Sunday. Ben's going to join us for that. And then something that I'm very excited for, we're going to have a special edition NBA trade deadline happening next week. Who says no? We're going to be running over some potential NBA uh, trades that could go down. I hope some, they're not
2: too ridiculous.
0: We'll just have to wait and see. So that will be a little later, and then of course we do have lightning round. So it should be a great show. But right now we're going to jump into baseball. As I mentioned, season starts Friday. Team plays in Arizona, and uh, so we're we're just going to he- we're going to jump right on in. Last year, obviously Spencer Allen's first season, 15 and 39 on the year, seven and 17 in conference not an ideal season, but also, you know, a lot of rebuilding left to do. Ben, what were, what were your overall impressions of last season, and what should we expect heading into this season, just right, looking at this roster right off the bat?
3: Well, um, based on last year, it was clearly an adjustment period for Spencer Allen, and the players have talked about being more efficient and more familiar with the system this year. Um, to be honest, they, they can improve in every regard, but uh, they bring in 10 new freshmen that they seem to be excited about who uh, they're looking to... To make an impact, um, in terms of on, in the field, um, there's Charlie Maxwell, who's a, a local product, and Alex Arrow, who's from Miami, who are probably going to take over at around second base duties and provide some spark in the lineup. Uh, the good news for Northwestern is they're not losing much in terms of hitting power from last year, and they have Matt Hoffner, uh, who was eighth in the Big Ten in batting average coming back as well. In terms of pitching, they're excited about a new freshman, uh, Hank Christie. Uh, who's apparently was very consistent in fall scrimmages. Um, and they're hoping to replace Reed Mason, who was last year's uh, Friday starter, with Tommy Bordenyan, who uh, played mostly as a reliever last year but um, is trying to be transitioned into sort of the ace role.
0: And you mentioned not losing a lot. And so, Matt, I'm going to turn to you. Do you think that pitching is going to be this the biggest thing that we're going to need to see the Wildcats improve upon just because they did lose some seniors from the team last year? Or do you think that there's another hole on this Northwestern roster that is a bigger kind of weakness for the team.
1: Well, I think as we said earlier, when you go 15 and 39, there's a lot of holes on the roster that uh, need to be filled. I would say the pitching staff probably stands out the most. They had a 6.29 team ERA last year. I believe there was like over a run worse than everybody else in the Big Ten. So that's not great. And then they lose the player with the best ERA of that group in Reed Mason. So... Yeah, you're going to need some improvement from some of the internal guys. You're going to need some of the freshmen to step up. Um, I don't think that's a death sentence by any stretch. I don't think Reed Mason was a a superstar that you're losing. He was fine, um, but I think he's a replaceable talent, and I think Northwestern has the talent on their roster now to do kind of what Mason did, but even then, you're still going to need more. You're going to need some people out of the bullpen who get guys out. They just didn't have that last year. The guys are getting a jam, and... You don't know who's going to come out of the bullpen. No one really had a set role. That's something Spencer Allen mentioned. He really wants to get comfortable with guys in their their role. You're the Friday starter. You're the first guy out of the pen. You're kind of the closer type. and That'll take a little time, but if they can get to that point, that'd be a big step for the pitching staff.
3: They had some games last year where they, in nine innings, obviously they ran through nine pitchers. Uh, they said that they're going to try to not do that this year, and I think that's definitely a big key to get more of a set rotation going so they can get in a routine each individual player can know more what's expected of them rather than being thrown into various situations where things would sort of had a tendency to escalate from from one run to five and the game would just get out of hand.
0: Yeah, and looking at the the incoming freshmen, I see th- three right-handed pitchers, two left-handed pitchers, so five new pitchers coming in. How much of an impact do you think we can ex- expect to see those freshmen make this season, or do you think it's going to be more? A burden on the upperclassmen to kind of step up their game from what we saw last season do you think we can expect something from the freshmen
3: uh well hank christie i know is, is one guy um they've been talking about who who's shown some things and might uh, be able to step into a starter role pretty quickly uh there are a few others uh I matt gannon is another one yeah. that comes mm-hmm. to mind
1: he's a uh, he's a huge frame he's six seven but just 190 so as a freshman, sometimes it takes a little while to, to fill out one of those bigger frames. But as a tall lefty, those are always intriguing guys to watch. And Spencer Allen mentioned him, I believe, as well. And only five lefty
0: pitchers on the Northwestern roster. So you could definitely hope to see him for some matchups, possibly. Yeah, no doubt.
1: He could have a role as soon as this season on this pitching staff.
0: All right, now, what about what about hitting? So last year, Northwestern's team, overall, I mean, there wasn't really, like you mentioned, Matt, 15-39, and 39, there's a lot to improve upon. But... Hitting, what can we who can we expect to see kind of make that jump this season?
1: Uh, making the jump this season, I think you're going to look towards some of the guys who played every day last year, like the Willie Bourbon, the Jack Dunn kind of guys who they got a full year under their belt. Willie Bourbon a position change as well, sliding over to first base. Doesn't mm-hmm. have to focus on the defense. Maybe that helps him at the plate a little more. One of his biggest problems was the strikeouts last year. Strikeouts 64 times. That's just that's just not great from Willie. Um, so there's something to improve there. I think the move to first base could help with that one. Jack Dunn is another guy to watch. He's got some pop. Uh, he hit that one home run. He's got nine doubles on the year, which was third on the team.
0: So And all as a freshman, you know, exactly. sometimes coming in facing game. college pitching. Yeah, He played every game as
1: a freshman, starting at shortstop. That's a huge role for him to take on. He said he was a little nervous, too. You I mean, you have to expect that from for him sure. last year. So some improvement from him and Willie Bourbon, I think, were the two guys to watch the most for that category.
3: I think Connor Lind is one of the most underappreciated players on this team. He was second in batting average last year. Yeah, he started every single game um, and was pretty steady at third base on a team that, that had some defensive issues. Um, he's sort of a well-rounded player that sort of slides under the radar just because Matt Hoffner is so by far the most dominant hitter on this team. And Hoffner has a legitimate chance to be one of the best players in the Big Ten. There's only one other player returning from last year who had a better batting average than he did. Uh, so if, if he can really explode into an, an elite player, he can make a big difference in, on a team that is is in need of talent and of a game-changing player.
1: And Ben, I think the key for both of those guys is going to be improving the power part of their offensive yeah. game. They're both pretty good average guys. Hoffer obviously better, had three fifty-five last year, Lind just two eighty-nine, but the power difference is huge. For Connor Lind, just five extra base hits all season for him. Granted, there's also some a lot of room for improvement there, so if he can start stretching some of those singles out into doubles, getting some more balls in the gap, that would help. And Hoffner only had two home runs despite being one of the best uh, overall hitters in the Big Ten. So just a little more power there. And I think you're right, Ben. I think he's got a legitimate case to be one of the best hitters in the Big Ten.
0: And that's one of the things I was going to ask about, the power on this team. What what can we expect in terms of, is this going to be a team that is smacking the ball out of the park, outscoring teams that way? Or are they going to really have to rely on their speed, their youth, and kind of just getting on base and scoring runs that way. What What's kind of kind of going to be the identity of this team well, this last, season?
2: Last year, Spencer Allen really liked small ball. Big proponent of bunting with the guy on first with one out. Uh, I think, you know, there'll be a little more power the, from last year. They have Joe Hoscheid returning. They lost Zach Jones, who was one of their RBI leaders, but I think they'll just be a traditional offense, get guys on base, try to score in, with runners in scoring position. Not going to be a lot of home runs. Joe Hoshen had eight, led the team. No one else really had more than two. They had two grand slams in some big games against Michigan and Chicago State State, last year. It's not going to really happen again. Uh, I think, you know, they need to get Jack Dunn if he's leading off towards the top of the order and Alex Arrow if he's up at the top order. They need to get their first two guys on base for Matt Hoffner to drive him in and then Joe Hoshen and clean up. You know, the bottom of their, their roster, sorry, not the bottom of their roster, the bottom of their lineup mm-hmm. isn't going to drive in a lot of runs. And then maybe, you know, it's a little more small ball in that sense, you know, advancing guys on steals, sack flies, bunts, what, what have you. But there's a real potential for the first four uh, players of that lineup to just do damage just by hitting normally.
1: I think almost that's what they're what they have to do at this point is just the – the hitting normally at this part of the at that part of the lineup. You mentioned the Spencer Allen small ball last year. I think that may have been a lack of just other options for Spencer. Yeah. I think, and the, it was, it's not a knock on him. No. He was trying to get his team to win games. The team slugged three thirty seven. I mean, you have to it score runs at some point. I mean, uh, the small ball is an option at that point. If you're slugging three thirty seven, there's just not a lot of room for for creating your own offense. You gotta. Do what you got to do with the, the and small it'll, ball, do some team it'll offense It'll be kind of interesting
2: stuff. to see who hits in that DH spot this year because that's another option for some hitting in the top five or top six of the lineup because you, you're pretty sure Bourbon is going to be, what, five or six? Lind will be in that top six. Somewhere around that, right? And then you really could have a de- – that's four good bats and two decent bats. You add one more, I don't know,
1: who who is a DH candidate? Uh, they probably they played Sheber there a decent amount last year. Uh, he can kind of play a couple of the outfield positions as well So they may shuffle that around they've mentioned maybe getting some freshmen some of bats there uh, Grant Pikert sometimes gets some of bats in center field Sometimes he's the DH there. But they want to get someone else in there So it's they're kind of fluid with the DH spot Which is on one hand is actually kind of nice because you don't get people People can get a day off like a half a day off by not having to play the field and some of those doubleheaders, some of those tough three games, uh, four games in three days, kind of stuff, that can help out. But on the other hand, you'd like to have that consistent, reliable bat in the lineup. They just don't quite have
3: that. The thing is that, with a team that that was struggled so much last year, and we really don't know how it's going to shape up this year. They are probably going to have to outscore opponents to win games. The the pitching was a problem. Doesn't really seem to be showing signs of being not a problem, at least in the near future. Um, so. As, as much as we can debate about how good or how much the, the lineup will shake out one way or another, they're going to have to score runs or they're really going to have no chance to improve over last year's records. So that's what I wanted to ask. We're going to
0: move on to basketball in a second, but for
3: both of you, what can we expect this
0: year? Obviously, second year under Spencer Allen, so not quite the finished product yet of what he's trying to build here at Northwestern, but what, should we ex- what can we expect from this uh, Northwestern baseball
3: team in 2017? Uh, well, they're really going to be thrown into the fire off the bat. They start out with a three-game series at Arizona State, which is a traditional powerhouse in college baseball. And know their first uh, 15 games, I believe, 14 are away from home, and 11 of those 14 are in the Pacific time zone. So they're going to be doing a lot of travel. They're going to be facing a lot of tough opponents, and they're a young team that's doing it. So on the downside, those could be some tough matchups. They, should, they might uh, get a good number of losses there, but on the plus side, they'll give them experience that hopefully they'll be able to carry into the Big Ten later on and when they're able to set into, settle into more of a rhythm of, of weekend series frequently at home.
1: Yeah Ben, you mentioned Arizona State as that, that first series to watch. Again, a traditional powerhouse. Maybe not as good this year. They had a few of their top recruits end up just going to the draft and signing professionally. I mean, probably not great looks for Northwestern still, but not maybe not the same Arizona State team we're used to. One team to watch, uh, Lipscomb's got a couple flamethrowers in their rotation. A couple guys have been talked about in the top three or four rounds of the draft coming up. That will be one of the three games Northwestern will play in Nashville the weekend after that. So
0: Yeah, you can listen to that on February 26th. Our own Will Greer will be on the call in Nashville. Should be a be. great listen. And too. Michael Stern
1: yeah. will be out at Arizona State uh, for this next weekend coming up. First game of that will be on air on WNUR. Listen there, 7.30 Central Time on 89.3 uh, FM
0: in the Chicago area. Should be a fun one, and you can listen to all Northwestern games this season. The flagship radio station for the baseball team should be a great, should be a really fun season. So let's move on to basketball now. Ben and Matt, I know you were both in Madison for the game on Sunday. Huge win for Northwestern, something that I don't think anyone was really expecting. What were your guys' initial takeaways from that game? Obviously, one of the biggest wins in Northwestern basketball history, right? Certainly. not the biggest, yeah. yeah. I um, think you could make the argument for... The biggest of all time, because I don't think Northwestern has ever been in the position that they are in now, looking this good to make the NCAA tournament. I was on board with Indiana being the biggest win earlier this season, but this completely overshadows that one, in my opinion. The they
2: yeah. beat a top 10 team on the
0: road. On the road, without, they, their, without their leading scorer. Yeah, that's insane. Mm-hmm. So what did Northwestern do that game? Obviously, the biggest problem heading into that game was how are they going to stop Ethan Half? They brought the double team. Sanjay Lumpkin came to help down low. And it really did fluster Hap all game. What did you guys see from Hap in that first half? He didn't play an awful lot in the second half just because Wisconsin couldn't like get get any touches for their their other players couldn't do anything with Hap passing out of the double team, so they thought it was better to have Hap out of the game. What did you guys see in the first
3: half for Northwestern defensively? Well, Hap started three for four in the first I think seven minutes. Like he was looking like he normally does, pretty dominant. Wisconsin was up fourteen to six. And then suddenly the game just flipped. Northwestern gets on that sixteen oh run and I never really saw Wisconsin regain the same offensive confidence that they had in the first few minutes. Uh, Hap, as you mentioned, was was really frustrated by the double team, Uh, committed some turnovers and just got in tough situations to force them to make passes and have to reset offensively and sort of get stuck and he wasn't really able to create any offense uh, himself or really lead to any offense from anyone else. Uh, Bronson Koenig really struggled for them, I think he was one for seven or one for eight missed some open looks too and uh, which was a fortunate break for Northwestern and uh, I think they were really able to in the first half gain confidence defensively and then really buckle down in the second half and build off that. It, obviously a risk you run with Wisconsin you know having all
0: those shooters when you bring the double team you know you have guys like Koenig, Hayes can knock down three, Showalter, Brown. You're running a huge risk when you're bringing that extra defender to double half down low it's almost something you have to do but yeah, they did. Do you think they got lucky with the fact that Wisconsin didn't shoot well, or was this Northwestern outplaying Wisconsin on the offensive end, Matt?
1: That was part of it. I think you also give credit to where credit's due for Northwestern's defense, especially Vic Law, who was all incredible. over the perimeter. Really He's incredible. So long, so lanky. You and there's an argument for him as the best like overall defender in the Big Ten. I mm-hmm. think that's a fair argument because he can defend multiple positions, perimeter, post. He's long, athletic, and he shut down Peter Jock this season. Yeah, mm-hmm. he shut down.
0: He Mostly guarded caning Yeah, he guarded Koenig for most of the game, most held him of the game, two points. Shut him down. That's and very, very played 39 and Played half minutes. He fouled out in the second half there, but something to be said for being able to stay on the floor, chasing around a guard that whole that whole game. Props to Vic Law, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head. One of the one of if not the best perimeter defenders in the Big Ten, or you could open it up to defenders in general. One thing that
3: uh, Wisconsin coach Greg Gard said after the game was that. Um, When you're facing the double team, the key is to to find the open man who would not be getting covered and get it to him for the open shot before the defense can scramble back. And he said that Wisconsin just wasn't able to do that, and that Northwestern was able to scramble into position to make up the ground that they had lost by doubling and still managed to keep everyone covered. And I think Vic Law, who's very athletic, very lanky, was really probably the biggest key in being able to do that.
2: Yeah, when you have a long team, all those rotations become half a step shorter, and one thing that's an improvement over the Wildcats so much from last season is when they played that hybrid zone and they doubled they left a lot of shooters open in the corner and it helps when you have you know Law and Sanjay who Sanjay Lumpkin is a smart doubler because mm-hmm. what he'll do is send help from a weird angle so you don't know where to pass out the whole team rotates and when the ball is kicked out everyone can just scramble a half step shorter than they usually have to and it's They've got two quarterbacks on that defense with Sanjay and Vic Law And Pardon is, you know, he's a little undersized, but he, he holds good enough ground that the doubles are effective because it doesn't matter if you double if the guy's catching five feet from the hoop because then the passes are longer. You have to cover more ground when you're, when you're closing out.
0: I will say the big men in this game, in the past, you know, have really struggled against some of these better teams in the conference with foul trouble, Pardon and Skelly and, and Benson in that Michigan State game got into a lot of foul trouble early. Purdue, they were getting into foul trouble this game. They did a good job. Pardon, finished the game with four fouls, but it was never really an issue of having to get him out of the game and having to play Skelly because of foul trouble. He really did a good job on half-not fouling, and it allowed Northwestern to do do what they were doing defensively and really execute on that end. But we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that Brian McIntosh on the offensive end had... One of his best games of this, probably his best game of this season. A, he
2: posted a LeBron stat line. He,
0: he was very involved. Six, seven, and seven. Is re- that right? It was twenty-five. But yeah, twenty-five. It was yeah. Ridiculous.
2: Uh,
1: on ten for twenty-three shooting. That's not. Yeah. That's not terrible either. No. It's an incredible game from Brian McIntosh. Um, someone who's been. I think it's fair to say an up and down season for Brian McIntosh. Mm-hmm. A lot of expectations for him coming into the season. It was supposed to be the guy on the team. Uh, that didn't he really met, work out he right for away. The dime. Yeah. Um but then this was this was his marquee game against Wisconsin. I mean, if you consider like the, the circumstances of the game, what it meant for Northwestern, the setting at Wisconsin mm-hmm. at the time of the season with Scotty out, I think this was Brian yeah, McIntosh's best game with, of his career. With
2: Scotty out, Wisconsin knows what's coming. Yeah, they know they have to take away law as much as they can and stop McIntosh. And McIntosh hurt them time and time again when they knew it was coming. It's not like he was a surprise contributor. We saw it against Illinois he had to put the team on his back. And I think what he realized is that what he did against Illinois wasn't enough because he started that game so slowly.
0: Mm-hmm. And he started this game against Wisconsin. He wasn't, you know, the whole team started a little slow. They fell yeah. down early. He really picked it up in the second half. And playing all 40 minutes of the game, that's really, really difficult to do. I don't think we appreciate the fact that in the, that second half, BMAC put the team on his back, especially in that those last 10 minutes he was making some great drives to the hoop and playing 40 minutes having to chase around Showalter, who is a very gritty player on uh, that Wisconsin team. I think performance gritty, of the season player. for BMAC, very gritty player, Zach Showalter. Is he the, the first one in the gym? Last one out? A student he of the might game. Be, he might be. Say. It's hard to say. <laughs> hard to say. We, Wisconsin has a lot, a lot of players like that yeah, and really yeah. a lot of students of the game, but Zach Showalter is definitely <laughs> one of them, and it's no easy task having to guard him, and BMAC yeah, did a great sure, job on that sure. end, and A great job offensively getting to the hoop um, and making some really difficult shots. Do you
2: expect the same kind of Herculean performance from B-Mac and Law against... uh, (laughs) Yeah, he's got 12... Herculean. Herculean? Sorry. Well, Uh,
0: against Maryland? Yeah. Looking at it, who's going to guard... The biggest question is who's going to guard Melo Trimble? Is it going to be Law guarding the point guard again like he did against Bronson Koenig? B-Mac I certainly don't think should be guarding Trimble...
1: Yeah, I'm not sure I'm not sure what they'll do with that. They can switch a couple guys on there. Um you have a couple other matchup problems too. Cowan's pretty good. He's small. Mm-hmm. Another ball handler type guy. Yeah. Um Demonte so they,
0: Dodd underneath DeMonte, is gonna be I think
1: I think Parton might be able to hold his own with Dodd. We'll uh, see. if he did if he did what he did against half he out rebounded half, which if he, he had, had that on help. he had some help with if half. If you had that on your bingo card, man, I <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's but, true. Uh, he did have some help, but still a Pardon can say would, it either way. Eight rebounds and uh, half with seven. That's kind of crazy to think about. <laughs> I just looked it up. You could say it either way. Okay. Good job. Okay. I'm, gl- <laughs> I'm glad we've settled that here on the broadcast. <laughs> thank, um, thank you, Thank you. Thank <laughs> you, Amit. One <laughs> other note ways. on Brian McIntosh before we stay too far away from that. Looking at the very handy Daily Northwestern spot chart that I have uh, pulled very up handy. here, we've got three shots, it looks like, that came from either three-point range or at the rim. The other 20... All came from the mid-range for Brian McIntosh. So, I mean, we know he likes the mid-range. That just shows to what extent he likes the mid-range. And he was pretty efficient as well. It's a
2: bad habit of his, in my opinion, as someone who tends to believe that you should play to the stats. But it's the counter-revolution in a sense that when teams are trying to take away the most efficient shots at the rim... And those most efficient shots at the three-point line. There's gonna be some ground when the shooters close out. And B-Mac's got that nifty pull-up that he does, which his like
0: peel is on the line, and his offhand floater that he does. And the announcers mentioned on the show, B-Mac is, um, during the game, B-Mac is so good at making really difficult shots look easy. And he, you mentioned it, he had one where it was a behind-the-back kind of off one foot um, floater and. He sunk it, but BMAC, he does that time and time again. It's, it makes it
2: gives me a heart attack every time he takes those terrible shots. Yeah. But for him, they're not terrible because he'd probably tell you he works on that all the time and he knows that you're not gonna get good looks in an offense where your second best or second or third best scorer is out when right. you have a big man that's a little undersized, when you have a guy on the floor that really should never be taking a three and Sanjay Lumpkin. He knows he's happy. Hey, he makes
0: them. <laughs> He, he makes him from time to time. He, he also airballs them to time,
2: sometimes. But he shouldn't like mm-hmm. Lumpkin three is a one a good scenario if you're a defense.
3: Yes, I I would agree like, with that. Um, I think with I think with BMAC that uh, Northwestern just doesn't have a lot of people who create their own shot. And really, especially these last three games against Purdue, Illinois, and Wisconsin, their offensive movement and rotation hasn't been that great. Um, they, yeah, there's been a lot of stagnancy Yes, it took them 13 minutes to get a single assist against Wisconsin, so I think there's a lot of pressure on him to, to sort of run up and either pull up or do one of his little classic floaters, and yeah. it, maybe it's not a great, efficient shot and and maybe it's not maybe like the best but I think that's, uh, in Wildcats, some situations the best they can do.
2: The Wildcats just might need to be a volume team instead of an efficient team. They were one of the better efficient offenses in the in the country, you know, not like elite but top 30 offenses in the country heading into before that Scotty injury, but like you said, I think maybe they just have to settle with these looks and just, you know, hang around in games and get by on other things, and if that looks like BMAC taking bad shots, then he's going to have to make some bad shots. I mean, they sh- look like shots. bad shots, but they don't seem yeah, to be bad yeah. when he's
0: going, you know, 10 for 23 isn't great, but I mean, he turned in a heroic performance, and if he can for sure. continue that, I think Northwestern would, we know Northwestern would benefit from that, and it will be really interesting to see against Maryland. How are you guys feeling about that game? We're, bro- we're broadcasting this on a Tuesday, so this this game on Wednesday. What do you think Northwestern has to do in order to uh, to come away with a win against Maryland?
3: Well, Northwestern has never beaten Maryland since the Terrapins joined the Big Ten. Maybe ever they've come close I'm not, though. Not sure. They they there did no take the three overtime yeah, on the road two times, but two seasons in a row they've come close. And um, the other meeting, they were thoroughly run off the floor here in Evanston. Yeah. Um, at media availability today, they were all talking about how, uh, in order to to be this different Northwestern that they've been coining so much this year, they have to be Maryland. That's like one of the last hurdles left that they haven't been able to do. And Maryland's sort of an interesting team. They they don't they aren't as physical as a Wisconsin or Purdue, but they also aren't as perimeter focused as some other teams. They have sort of some of everything. And um, they've been sorta of under the radar this year. They went in not expected to be as good as they've been in the past few seasons, but they have been. And so it's I think it's gonna be really interesting and a good test for Northwestern to see how they match up against a, a relatively comparable team.
1: It's I don't know how big the game is in terms of like stakes for Northwestern after what they did at Wisconsin. I think what you said about just like it meaning a lot for Northwestern beating Maryland, that is more of a, a hurdle and- for the team. I don't I don't know literally, like, tournament-wise, I don't think it moves the needle a lot. I think if they win, it moves the needle to almost a sure thing. Yeah. If they lose, I don't think it moves the... It makes it a little bit harder, but not really. They should be fine either way.
2: I think just, you want to protect your home court. Welsh Ryan has been really special for them all season, really. Just two notable losses against uh, Minnesota and Illinois. You just want to go out and protect your home court and make a statement win against a team that's around your level. And you know, kind of avenge for the Illinois loss and build momentum from from Wisconsin and show it's not like there's not the big game hangover that often can happen once you take down a big team.
0: And, of course, we have to mention now, kind of wrapping up this basketball talk, the end of the season, this big picture, what it means for Northwestern um, and where Northwestern kind of stands right now. They're firmly in most bracketology posts a seven seed. You look at some of these remaining games, game against... Maryland uh, on Wednesday, Rutgers this weekend, Illinois at Illinois, at Indiana, Michigan, Purdue. What do we think that Northwestern has to finish collectively among those games or, you know, which games are more important than others um, kind of in order to not mess up where they sit right now in this bracketology?
3: Well, they probably only need two more wins. Um, Certainly three would be enough. Two would probably be enough. And Rutgers at home is, is a really good chance for a win. They should be favored at Illinois even though they did lose to the Illini. Um, they, they have a good chance at Indiana. They have a good chance at home against Michigan. And even if they falter in some of those games, if they can just get a few wins, I think it should be good enough. A win over Maryland would really secure the resume and make it like almost certain, even if they did have a meltdown, that they would still be able to get in. Plus, we can't forget about the Big Ten tournament. Uh, right. which is sort of the x-factor here we don't know who they'll be playing they legitimately could get a first or even second round by and the the position they're in right now uh, which could make for some interesting matchups but uh, even if they they struggle down the stretch in the regular season they could even make up for it in the tournament
1: yeah big 10 as a standings they kind of opened up a bit with that wisconsin loss there mm-hmm. still a lot of room for mobility near the top of there something to watch with northwestern obviously when we talk about northwestern basketball There's only one priority. There's one goal that we really care about, and that's making the tournament. They're in a good position for that now. I think, like you said, Ben, two wins, you're feeling pretty good. Three wins is a lock, and I think three wins seems very doable with the schedule remaining.
0: Especially those last two, home against Michigan, home against Purdue, two teams that Purdue pretty firmly in the tournament. Michigan's been on the bubble lately. They've been playing a lot better. They can win one of those, and then along with that, Rutgers and Illinois, I think that would put them in a very good position heading into the Big Ten tournament to put it modestly um and then obviously at, like as you mentioned the Big Ten tournament you know you don't really know what you're going to expect there's not really a aside from maybe the bottom few teams any matchup is going to be up in the air you never know what to expect from this conference but it will be very interesting to see moving forward and uh to see how Northwestern can finish the season so thank you Ben uh if you'd like to stick around we're going to be talking about some NBA trade scenario should be uh highlight of the show. I'm sticking around for lightning round. Alright, alright. All right. There we go. So, moving forward then. NBA trade deadline is next week, I believe. I believe it is next week. Yeah. Next week. So, we've just, you know, been piling up some trades, scouring the uh, the inner depths of the internet. NBA Reddit, pulling up some possible trades. We're going to play a game of who says no? Admit, and Am I going to be the judge? You're more than welcome right, to... I'm s- going to be
2: the rational judge, <laughs> and then I'll also be the fun judge. I'll be... Amit and alter ego um, fun loving Amit. So how, how do you want to format that
1: are we going to are we going to be pitching these trades too or we can we can just discuss all of the just trades collectively, just collectively throw yeah, there, yeah, so. just throw some
0: out there just throw some out there show all, us
1: out Zach what do you have you got, you got the, I see the NBA trade machine NBA up trade there. machine what yeah so I've,
0: like I mentioned NBA Reddit just pulling up some trades some of these a little uh, a little out there Amit, you'll like this one this was has your Philadelphia 76ers involved it's a four team trade between the New York Knicks the Denver Nuggets the Cleveland Cavaliers and the 76ers. The 76ers are getting Kevin Love. They're giving away Jalio Okafor to the Denver Nuggets. Uh the Knicks are giving away Mello to the Cavs. Kyle O'Quinn to the Nuggets. And the Ni- and the Knicks are getting Jokic from the Nuggets. Amit, Who Says No? So who are the Nuggets getting? The Nuggets are getting Jelly Okafor the and The Nuggets O'Quinn. say no. The Nuggets say no. The Nuggets no. <laughs> would not trade Jokic
2: for That'd Okafor be a and Kylo trade for the And you get now Now, the
0: Sixers oh, would good.
2: very happily swap Okafor for Kevin Love. The Cavs would probably sw- well, The Cavs, I think the Cavs value Love higher than Melo just because of their age and their game style and the fact that Love has the chemistry already her, yeah. with LeBron and Kyrie while they might want to add Melo for yeah. next year. Mm-hmm. And the Knicks would probably very happily ship off Melo N-O and Kylo Quinn Kyle O'Quinn for a young budding superstar in Jokic. So the team that really would dethrone this trade would be the Denver Nuggets. So, yeah, but it helps out three teams in that trade. It just hurts one team so much that it wouldn't happen. So mm-hmm. you
0: throw a pick or two in there, future Nuggets are going go for, start for start that picks. eight seed. Also, the um, Nuggets just won't trade Jokic. He's probably no, on new the best. Trade. He's pretty yeah. valuable. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: looking at this trade, yeah, there's. Four players who, to me, are in like a superstar category. You got Kevin Love, Carmelo Anthony, Jokic, and Kyle O'Quinn. And then, well below that, <laughs> well, you see, have Julius. Let's <laughs> keep
2: Let's <laughs> let's not try to get ourselves on a soundbite of a new Sports West After Dark commercial. <laughs> right. I know you're just trying to instigate. Let's keep it real. It's a pretty ish. good shooter, man. If pretty you, pretty efficient. If, if you guys want to make show Joe, me that
1: three-point percentage from Okafer. I'll I'll wait
2: if you guys want to make jokes about players we can make jokes but numbers i got numbers there's no numbers to back up the fact that Kyle O'Quinn is an nba superstar He is at best a weak starter on a contending team
0: he's got room to grow he's hes room only 26. all right, right let's hear the next trade matt you got one or you want me to fire off another go on, one go with another one zach so, you're on a roll that one was good you know we mentioned denver nuggets really going for that eight c here's another one between denver nuggets and local local team chicago bulls the bulls will be giving away jimmy butler John Rondo, they really seem to be getting along. I'm sure they'd want to go to Denver together. Great, great suggestion by fellow NBA Redditor and Miritich. And the Bulls would be getting Kevin Fareed, Kenneth Fareed, Farid, Kenneth <laughs> Farid, nah. Wilson Chandler, and Moody Amit- The Bulls wow. say says no. no. The
2: Bulls say no. That's not a big enough haul for Jimmy Butler. Moody is not good enough. Um, Farid is not good enough and your last player, Wilson Chandler. Yeah. Get,
1: get a pick in there, and I think the Bulls say a yes. A first-round
2: pick, but the Nuggets Because I like Moody's
1: potential, and you're getting rid of Rondo, a which is just first round huge pick. for need the a team. Fir- you need a first...
2: <laughs> even if you gave a first-round pick and those three players, the Bulls would still think hard about it, because what they said today is they would only trade Butler if they got a quote-unquote godfather offer. What that looks like is a player with superstar potential and a high first-round draft pick and probably an expiring contract that frees up cap space in terms of Rajon Rondo.
1: What do you think about Moutier? As, uh, two years ago, he was the seventh pick in the draft. Yeah, I think He's Moutier, still 21. Moutier is, crazy young good and has, is a really
2: good athlete, know. but he hasn't shown signs yet that he can become a point guard in the NBA in terms of the fact that he lacks outside shooting, and the list of successful point guards with outside shooting is uh, pretty low. It's about uh, Russ and uh, maybe John Wall, although John Wall doesn't necessarily lack an outside shot. Moutier is a terrible shooter, and that's why I think he doesn't have the superstar potential to make the Bulls consider that trade. That being said, I love the idea... Of shipping Butler and Rondo off together <laughs> into Denver yeah. which would just be hilarious. Anyways, you know, I, that's a good aim at what the Bulls are looking for, but it doesn't quite
0: get there for them. I think they want more. fair. Great. I like the suggestion from this NBA redditor. So right. do I. All right. Here's another one. Obviously, the player that everyone's talking about in this trade deadline Carmelo Anthony. This one would have him going to to Utah, to Salt Lake City. Okay. Play with a Fun Utah Jazz. Team. I don't know where he fits. He's a ball stopper. Well, you, you you throw in Derek Favors. Okay. Alec Burks and Shelvin Mack to the Knicks. I think the Knicks. That's not a do bad trade. trade,
2: don't you? Well, here's the pro- here's why I like here's why I like this trade. One, Derek Favors is a sh- star level big man, almost almost he, a star he's level young. big man. He, he has who's young, but is shoehorned his growth. Because it's hard to play two bigs you can't in the fit NBA. There, that's not. He can't, work. Gobert.
0: You can't fit him no. next to Porzingis. Great though, can't you? But okay. that, that makes Porzingis better.
2: turn into a perimeter-oriented big man.
0: Yeah.
2: And Which it's is- hard to play both of them on the floor at the same time because teams inside would just stretch them out, and one of them wouldn't be at the rim and be forced to cha- chase stretch force. Now that being said, do the Knicks, the Knicks also get? You said. Burks, Alec Burks, and Shelvin Mack. Alec Burks is low-key a great young player he with was. a lot of potential. He hasn't been the same
1: since the injury. He hasn't which is been the same, but he's a
2: good guy you could take a gamble on. Shelvin Mack is a throwaway. He's not good. <laughs> if you know, it's really tough. I could see both teams saying yes to this deal. And the Jazz wouldn't, in but my the, I think that what with the Jazz, Carmelo Anthony doesn't fit into that team's culture. Yeah. And I don't like, it's he weird. He also has that trade exception. He has, he, has yeah, he has that trade, trade exception. Except. I don't think Carmelo Anthony wants, wants to, to go and play in Salt, City. Salt Lake City. He he wants be to turn New- up
1: on those Sundays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, the, not the place for Melo. And <laughs> I
2: think, I one thing I think is he plays the 3-4, and he's an ISO score, he's a leading scorer. I think the Jazz probably think that Gordon Hayward is good enough for them to be their, you know, offensive leading option for now. And they want to add a young a younger superstar that fits with their timeline. A Carmelo Anthony to the Jazz doesn't really help their window at all and doesn't put them contending with the, you know... The Warriors and the Spurs, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, While and the also, Jazz are really. If good. they
1: if they were to get mellow, that would mean fewer minutes for Joe Ingles, one of the best three point shooters nope. in the league. He is <laughs> okay. He's shooting that's almost true. five a game, and he's forty three percent. He is
2: one of the best three point shooters in the league, but that doesn't mean he needs to be on the floor
0: that much.
1: <laughs> he may be a twenty nine year old role player, but he's got he's got everything. You, you, he can you are play. right. Joe Ingles is notably a great. You do you don't want to cut his minutes. I think that's why the Jazz. I,
0: would say. I think it's an interesting strategy that's though. This trade reason. with the Knicks. <laughs> because the Knicks are getting a lot of young players that they can take some Shelvin Mack real young. Okay, the other two, the other two, you know, they have potential oh, and it, if you're the Ni- <laughs> if you're the Knicks this season, That's why not, not a just bad trade for why do you not teams? just throw away this season? It's a very strong draft whoa, class.
2: Whoa, whoa whoa whoa. You're bringing logic to the Knicks franchise. <laughs> yeah, 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 get that
1: away from there. They're not about I, that. The
2: also I also like you said, I don't think the Knicks are inclined to ever tank. It's too big of a market and their owner doesn't do that whole tanking thing because they think that they can contend every season that's why they've been so aggressively mediocre let's hear the next trade i liked that one though and it was really interesting
0: okay so this also is a mellow trade this has them going to the la clippers okay interesting. two-team trade to just a two-team the knicks getting jj reddick jamal crawford so shipping away both their uh two guards and then maurice spates and a 2021 20, first round pick who says no why would the
1: clippers think- give up their best shooter I don't understand. Right, this. The Matt, Clippers need Matt, shooting. No, Matt seriously. McHugh, Chris, with Chris no, no, Paul no. out, shooting is very important for the Clippers, right? Like, they yeah. actually right. need to have no, a great okay, shooter Matt, on the floor. But your best shooter isn't JJ Reddick. <laughs> no, you're it's about
2: not. to say <laughs> <Mary Spates. laughs> Matt, tra- we're trying to keep it real here on Sports Voice After Dark. <laughs> it's not. The <laughs> trades can be wacky, but the analysis should be at least minorly accurate.
0: It's still
1: that it There's is a Sports still Voice Sports Athlete of the Year finalist in Maurice Spates. <laughs> I mean, that's a case.
2: But here's why I think the Clippers. Or the Knicks say no because they said they'd be willing to trade Carmelo for not a member of the big three that being said I don't think JJ Redick, Jamal Crawford, Murray Spates and a 2021 pick is enough the only player that can really help them now is JJ Redick and even then they're all those players the three players you they're named old. are old yeah that does not help their timeline if they traded Melo, and wanted a first-round pick, they'd be going into at least a minor rebuild. And those three players aren't rebuilding players. Jamal Crawford is, what, 36? Again, though, like 30 you're bringing weren't. logic
1: into the equation with the Knicks, a team that just but the, gave
2: Joakim Noah
1: $72 million for, for sure. no reason. But if summer. the
2: Knicks were to make a trade with the Clippers and it didn't involve the three stars, it'd probably have to be, like, J.J. Redick and then... A young, decent player, J.J. Rennick, Austin Rivers, and a 2017 or 18 first round pick. They get Spades as
1: well. That would help. <laughs>
2: no. Most Spades doesn't. Mo, Mo Spades at this point should stay on the Clippers, and the Clippers should want to keep him because he's old, doesn't help young teams, and is ring chasing.
1: He's good. He can shoot. He's, he's a, can a take good charge. bench scorer. He can score. He's not good. He's got a. Button on his head. <laughs> I don't know what else you need.
3: I'm gonna jump in and say you made a major mistake in allowing this topic to be on this show. <laughs> no, I think the topic combined with the uh, the analysts here may be a I a think toxic my analysis is fine.
2: <laughs> I think oh, Zach's,
3: yours is fine. <laughs> yeah, and Zach's for the most part.
2: All right, let's hear the next <laughs> trade. One? That might have been a subtweet. <laughs> Matt, do you have any, <laughs> you trades? Have any trades? I, c- I can, can find
1: one another no, no, one. No, one you know, no, no, If you haven't got any, I don't want to hear it. If we click on Sacramento. And then we just think, just just some spitball in here. Um, so, what the Kings? What do you what do you think the Kings really need? I feel like they're pretty good with big men. You're good as all right. They've no. got five centers. <laughs> they got five centers on the roster. I don't think they need a big. They need another playmaker. They're gonna try to get that that eat seed with Rudy Gay out. Boogie is the only playmaker. They're gonna need another playmaker. Someone who can just pop in there and score at a really efficient rate. I really rate. hope you come up with a legitimate name. I'm coming up with a legitimate name. So you got to think, what team would give someone away, a team maybe that is just like one missing piece away from getting to the 8th <laughs> seed you got to look at the Orlando Magic, Oh my just God. picked up a quality Jeff, ring of their own. Jeff Green does not
2: solve the Kings' problem. He's the missing piece. <laughs> he's worse than Rudy Gay, and with Rudy Gay, they were missing the playoffs. Nah, he's the missing piece. You don't know understand. need We've been to ball this situation handler.
1: before where our playoff team realizes, you know what, there's just one okay. more player we need. And then it's just so clearly Jeff Green. He's on a one-year deal. He's not going to okay, play. here's the thing. The Kings are going Here, for it. Well, let me say, Jeff let Green. me say,
2: I can see both of these franchises making this move. It's totally reasonable. Well, who that do they give happen?
1: up? We gotta think of a good package to go back here. I'm thinking Ben Mclemore is someone who really has nothing. Shouldn't be having anything to do. And helps the Magic's Kings. timeline. Yeah, I like that. Sure.
2: Now. Why not? Here's the problem with that trade: the Kings still missing the playoffs if they pick up Jeff Green. No,
1: oh, they're gonna make the playoffs. Well, first of all, they're gonna make the playoffs anyway because they have one of the best players in the league in Demarcus Cousins. And how many years has he made the playoffs? He's working on it. It's, de- it's called development. Um, and then
2: he can't be in the year for eight years, be a superstar and call it development when he doesn't make the
1: playoffs. He's developing mentally, too, He's except for the technical fouls. So he's, other than that, he's been a lot better All
0: right, mentally. next trade, Zach, <laughs> what do you have to say? <laughs> all right, so this is, I'm still looking at the Mellow ones just because I think Mellow's the most what, can likely. We get, can
2: someone give me a, a, a reasonable Jaleel Okafor trade? Ooh, all
0: right, let's think. Who Re- needs? The keyword is reasonable because m- most of these I've been looking for is on... Uh, Reddit, this is, this is one, okay.
2: This segment of who says no is really um, how quickly do you say no Yeah. hearing <laughs> the contents of the trivia. Yeah. Yeah. Again,
0: getting this from NBA Reddit, so take this with a grain of salt. The F- Philadelphia 76ers give up Jelly Okafor. That's all they give up. And in return, they get John Rondo and Alexis Aginsa. The Sixers say No. <laughs> What about a Why? pick? What about a pick? What from if they the got end pick with Jinza? The Bulls get Etwan Moore from the Pelicans, and the Pelicans get Robin Lopez and Isaiah Cannon. And the Sixers get a pick? They get the Pelicans pick. Or, yeah, probably the Pelicans pick because they're getting. I the mean, here's what would open. happen
2: when they do that deal they keep a Jinsa until the end of the year, waive him. They keep Rondo and maybe cut him immediately, release him on waivers, and keep the pick because neither of those two players fits into their culture or their team or their timeline I mean the Sixers don't need more big men they have Rashawn Holmes Nolan's Noel and Joel Embiid
1: what What are they looking for then in the they need guards
2: or picks or wings hmm, I feel Ra- like- while Rajon Rondo is a guard the Sixers do not need players in the perimeter Denzel? that can't shoot
1: would they take Denzel no
2: they,
0: they wouldn't take want Denzel take why Denzel?
2: wouldn't they take Denzel what are they? I Denzel mean, Denzel was a lottery pick last you know, year. He if you're shoot, if you're throwing Denzel in with the a first bit. round pick, Denzel has to be an add on. He cannot be the
1: centerpiece of a trade. <laughs> but he he was a mid first round pick last year. I mean, and Jahlil sure Okafor was a top three pick. Yeah, I don't that know. doesn't mean anything. I feel like their best one of their better chances of unloading Okafor might be to Chicago because they get the I homecoming angle there. You. The fit oh. might be something. I, I don't would know. love there are a lot of great fits for Okafor. How about just trade him to Chicago
2: for Doug McDermott and a first round pick?
1: Mm-hmm. All right. That might work.
0: <laughs> I've got one more if I'm allowed if I'm yeah, allowed. Go All right.
2: ahead. We got two more minutes of your nonsense. Once again,
0: <laughs> source coming from NBA Reddit. Three teams involved, the Miami Heat, the Boston Celtics, and the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh yeah, this is good. The Boston Celtics receive Actually, I'm going to save the Celtics for last. The Heat receive Amir Johnson, Tyler Zeller, Nerlens Noel, and Robert Covington. The Sixers receive Goran Dragic, Marcus Smart, and really the centerpiece in this uh, trade, based on his play lately, Dion Waiters. The homecoming.
2: <laughs> the homecoming. <laughs> no,
0: nope. The Boston the Celtics receive nope. Hassan Whiteside and Dario Sarge. Great. I mean, well, the Sixers are not
2: trading no. Dario Sarge or Robert Covington or Nolan's Noel. That's a bad trade. What, what if Noel? you swap Noel for... Uh, they're not trading
0: Noel for that.
3: The reason uh, you have to have Noel... They're not trading Noel,
2: Noel for Deion Waiters. <laughs> He's cash.
0: He gets buckets. The, the reason you have to have Noel instead of Okafor, and this is because the Heat are giving up Whiteside. So that's... Okay. Don't that pretend that it, the Sixers the better Sixers than any other option have. The options. Sixers, yeah, the the Sixers don't make that trade. I don't, make trade. <laughs> I don't know if you're the Heat why you make this trade. Neither of those teams make the trade. <laughs> the Sixers... Yeah, Why the, Why, why would the Heat th- have anything to do with it? Why the would the Celtics even, like even want to give two up smart? Best two of the, three of your... Goran dragons? These are literally
2: their
1: three best
2: players. This is a terrible trade. All
0: three of those teams would be worse off. And the Celtics would The Heat immediately go into tank mode and get a top three pick and rebuild from there. I don't want to hear it. old front court. I've heard all. The Celtics
1: actually get pretty good for this trade, right? The Celtics get Saric and Whiteside, which is yeah, they they right, only the only give away get good,
0: Johnson, Zeller, and Smart. The Sixers basically get... A backcourt, because they're overloaded right now. A
2: backcourt of Dragic of smart, and Waiters? Smart and Waiters. Waiters is
0: a six-man. That's a
1: good backcourt. Yeah. That's that is, not. That's a fun backcourt. That's a totally yeah. average NBA no. backcourt. But then where do you get TJ his minutes? Mm. Exactly. All well, yeah. questions you have All to All right, well, that's account. enough.
2: You've just heard 15 minutes of some really 15 bad 15 minutes bad you will never NBA get back. <laughs> the segment was called Who Said No? And I said no. That segment's never returning back <laughs> to this Podcast, still, we made, better, uh,
0: still better than the Champions League segment we yeah, had slated oh, for this show. Way better so than was in the... I'm sure Mint really, uh, really doesn't regret calling no, that no. Audible. Yeah, great, great anyways, um,
2: <laughs> if you made it this far, I really hope instead of making it this far, you just skipped ahead to the lightning round <laughs> on the timestamps. That's what I did. Um, that's what Ben Pope did. He's joining us if you did skip ahead he was here at the beginning of this podcast stuck around just for the special part this is the hallmark of sports versus after dark the lightning round our weekly sports news quiz for those who don't know is 10 questions each for both of our contestants they increase in difficulty and value first three questions are a point each first next three questions are medium they're worth two points next two questions are hard worth three points the last question is worth four points and is a philly sports special There's the rapper Question of the Week in the second set of questions and the Landon Donovan Question of the Week. In the first set of questions, Zach Wingrove and Matt McHugh will take place in Rock, Paper, Scissors to decide who gets to go when. Rock, Paper, Scissors, Shoot! All All right, so Matt McHugh with the scissors over the paper, would you like to go first or second? Give me the rapper Question. So Matt will take the second set of questions, Zach Wingrove with the first set of questions including Landon Donovan. Let's get it started. Uh, question number one, easy. This NHL team has scored five or
0: more goals in 11 straight home games. I'm going to say the Minnesota Wild. That is incorrect. I don't know how you got that wrong Rings. because he ben, said this literally uh,
2: yesterday. Ben Pope says this about every day of the week. This is the Washington Capitals. Two of
3: them were against the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. As Anyways, thanks well for there. our Ben Pope
2: commentary. <laughs> Uh, our next easy question, who hit a buzzer beater on Monday night to send the game against the Blazers into overtime where his team eventually prevailed? Do I get a team? Yeah, I'm sure easy it's question. easy question. It's the Hawks. Oh, Paul Millsap. Oh, easy <laughs> point. All right, one point for Zach Wingrove. <laughs> Great hint. I probably would not gotten uh, it. Up, next yeah, easy question, know. who defeated West Virginia in a wild overtime oh. win on Monday night? Kansas, fun game. All right, two out of three points there for Zach Wingrove. You don't get the team... Uh, oh, I put the team in here. I'm taking it out. I'll, I'll put it in. I'll put it in. Yeah, it's an easy two points. Who hit a game winner for the Pistons against the Raptors on Sunday with 13.8 seconds left to cap off a furious comeback?
0: Oh, uh, KCP. That is
2: correct. Contavious Caldwell Pope. Yeah. Uh, four points now for Zach Wingrove. Which golfer won the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am Open? Jordan Spieth. That is correct. Another two points was oh, actually fun ago. watching He's the celebrity scores
0: for that tournament too. Definitely uh, was was watching some of those yeah, guys. Yeah, was A little, little interesting. Yeah. Bill Belichick he, was in it. Yeah, didn't know that. That was interesting. Didn't know he was a golfer.
2: I don't think he is. A, I don't think he is. He just had fun. He <laughs> had a
0: great time. Sure, <coughs> trip yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm sure they found a way to deflate those golf balls. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know that <laughs> actually, I don't. I don't think yeah. you can. They're, uh, they're like good compo- attempt. That was composite. a good effort. Good effort. I don't know. Bill Belichick, not even a good effort. Yeah, Bill Belichick, receiver. Let's <laughs> leave it at that. Um Last medium question. Who defeated Tottenham 2-0 in the Premier League this weekend? Oh, my. Um, I don't know many Premier Matt McHugh is mouthing a team name to me, and I'm 90%
0: sure it's incorrect. I'll guess... I kind of like this Premier Liverpool. That is correct. Oh! Zach Wingrove <laughs> with the perfect Pull six points in the who medium. Who knows where. Yeah.
2: Um, all right, so eight points now for Zach Wingrove. On to the hard questions. Here's where it gets hard, but I think you can do it. Do it. Which former ace MLB closer is trying to make a comeback as a knuckleballer? Oh my! He wasn't a knuckleballer when he used no, to pitch. No, he's just a former very good ace closer. Clo- ace closer.
0: <sighs> this
2: question is brought to you by yours truly, Tim Hackett. The Tim Hackett question of the week, which is not a feature. We just I'm trying to think of. Uh,
0: it should be a feature. It should be it should. a feature. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. We, we'll. we back it. Yeah. This is me attempting to stall for more time as I think of Just go closer. for it. Just go, go for it. For Five, four, Joe Nathan, Nathan, even though he's nope, terrible. No, this is Brian Wilson. Wilson.
2: Hashtag fear the beard. No, stop. Um, stop.
1: Not a Brian Wilson fan.
2: Oh, wow, he's the <laughs> Giants pitcher. Yeah. Well, he was. All right. On to yeah. the next hard question. You're still eight points. Uh, which former champion retired from UFC today?
0: Former champion. Um... I would only guess... I, the only ones I know are Silva and McGregor, and they're both still fighting. I don't know.
2: Uh, this is Brock Lesnar. Oh, Brock. Ah, that sounds like... Yeah, a big, yeah that's guy. Yeah, that that one, a guy. He's a guy. All right, still on eight points. Uh, here's the Landon Donovan entire... question of the week. Oh, good. Uh, locked in a relegation fight, Landon Donovan's minority-owned Swansea City defeated which team this weekend 2-0 to zero in the Premier League in a relegation six-pointer? Uh, Bournemouth. No, close. This is a great guess. Yeah. That's uh, Leicester City. The ah, defending champions. Guess. Oh, Wait. They're,
1: they're bad now?
2: Oh, yeah, they're bad. They're about to get relegated.
0: Didn't, uh, oh. didn't uh, West Ham also beat Leicester? West Ham is in that relegation battle. Yeah, they're in yeah, that battle.
2: Okay. Uh, Bournemouth Big lost 2-0 to Manchester City on Monday. Um, here's your Philly sports special. This is gettable, especially gettable. Who scored the overtime winner for the Flyers against the Sharks on Saturday? Oh, it's easy. Radko Gudas. Easy as in wrong. Uh, I, that's, the only, that's the only flyer a, you I know. If you had to name a player on the flyer, you might have named Wayne Simmons. Nah, I would have named uh, Radco. Well, you're wrong. Right. Um, <laughs> Wayne Simmons was the correct answer. So eight points for Zach that's Windgrove. Respectable, Not that. bad, eight points. So Matt right. McHugh needs eight points to get it. Um, here we go. First easy question... Who defeated Barcelona 4-0 today
1: oh, they the said first this. leg of the Champions League? <laughs> well, oh, Oh, no. <laughs> they yeah. said it. it was a team with, like, some letters in the no, It's a team that's three <laughs> Most letters. Most teams have those. They, know, three know, letters letters, right, man, they yeah. go by
2: their three letters.
1: Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, uh, S.
2: That's one of the letters. S- it's not the first S- one. Oh,
1: no. Uh, S- no, wait, it is not the first one. Just go. Just just throw a team out there. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> P.S.G. That it? That's it? That's it? That's, it. That's team. Wait, I'm going to look at... No, it. no, how did you do that? Because <laughs> it came back to me because someone That's said a- it earlier. That's, All right. Right. That's I incredible. Piece it together. I didn't.
0: I forgot it, too. Wow. That's, That's wow. incredible. That with <laughs> a lot of effort for one point. The memory <laughs> retention <laughs> Um
2: a man taking a ACT jacked up on caffeine. That um, was incredible. That's cue, PSG point. is correct. Paris Saint-Germain defeated Barcelona today. <laughs> I don't know how you did it. That's your second impressive soccer question this season. Wow. Um, Give me another. Next, easy, don't. next easy question. <laughs> Who posted a triple-double Monday night in the win over the Warriors? Um, Nikola Jokic. That is correct. We talked about him in our Who Says No Me segment. Um, <laughs> next easy question. Who upset Virginia in double overtime on Sunday?
1: Oh, there was basketball on Sunday. Virginia Tech? That is correct. Yeah.
2: Wow. Three out of three from Matt McHugh. Well done.
1: Harder. On to the Harder. medium
2: yeah. questions. Which tennis player announced that he would part ways with his longtime coach at the end of the season, that coach being his uncle? Rafael Nadal. That is correct. Wow. His uncle, Tony. He's been coaching him since way, way back from the island of Mallorca.
1: What if I told you that was a complete guess and I just said it with confidence? You did, and I appreciate it. All right, so uh, that's a full <laughs> or five points there for Matt McHugh.
2: On to the medium, qu- uh, next medium question: Which two MLS franchises are beginning their inaugural
1: seasons this season? Okay, there's one in Minnesota. That's correct. Dragons was talking about Yeah, that. and you know there's the another one. one in New York. Oh, close! I have no idea. It's
2: Atlanta. It's not, not that close, close at all. <laughs> Whoa, New New, no, it's two. close in that New York had the last expansion team. That's why I said close. Someone said something. They, they, they also did, in the same time. Zone? Do they have two teams now? There's two <laughs> teams now. <laughs> two teams in New teams York. York: the Red Bulls and New York City FC. Okay. All right. So stuck on five points. Here we go. Next medium question. I think you can get this one. Um, which two players did the Giants release this weekend?
1: Uh, Victor Cruz and um, Who's was the other one? It was Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz is correct. Yeah. And uh, Rashad Jennings. That's correct. Ooh, All right. So Greater seven, Legend, Rashad seven yeah. Jennings. Seven
2: points. Now you just need one of these last questions. Oh boy. To win. Wow, we have two more soccer questions. Oh <laughs> yeah. This no. is incredible. Oh. Love to hear. Uh, which United States women's national team player joined the Manchester City women's club this weekend? I saw it. Zach
1: Wingrove saw this piece of news, okay, which I'll is I'll why say. I think
2: it's a fair question. I'll say it.
0: Oh,
1: uh, Hope Solo. Didn't Zach she have domestic
2: Wingrove? violence? Yeah, yeah she
1: did. Carly oh,
2: Lloyd. That's correct. Zach Wingrove. Noted follower of the United States National team They
0: don't disappoint me as much as the men's team That's correct I almost said Um, Carly Wagner but then got the (laughs) the Minnesota women's (laughs) basketball superstar
1: Apologies
0: (laughs) Both good shooters from distance
2: Um, (laughs) uh, Next uh, hard question Uh, This NHL player Became the first rookie since 1993 have three hat tricks in one season.
1: So it's not McDavid because he's That's not it. a rookie. Can you, he's not a rookie. Can, can you um, name an NHL can rookie? Can I name an NHL rookie? Oh boy. Um, let's think. Timo Meyer.
2: Nope. Ben Pope.
3: <laughs> Patrick Laine. No. Patrick no, Laine. Not a guy. You made that. I'm name. <laughs> glad
2: I. I'm glad I called on Ben Pope because I was about to say Laine. <laughs> uh, Timo um, Meyer
1: is an NHL rookie I can name for the record. So is Travis Konecny.
2: And even Provorov. Very hurt, Travis <laughs> Very hurt. Uh, out for six weeks. All right, so still on seven points. Any one of these will do it. Here's the second rapper question Don't of choke. the week. Don't or choke. the first rapper question of the week. <laughs> Which Chicago sports star hung with Chance the Rapper on the red carpet Sunday at the Grammys? He is, to give you a fair question, because there's just too many Chicago, a lot of sports Chicago sports, sports stars. stars. Yeah. He's on the Chicago
1: Cubs. Okay. Um...
2: And Chance, notably, won multiple Grammy Awards. Let's see. Which Cubs player
1: would hang with Chance? I'm going to go... Win. win. Hmm. Addison Russell. Nope. This was
2: KB. Anthony Rizzo. Uh, Anthony. It was KB. It was, uh, I would have guessed KB. I would have guessed, guessed KB. I would have guessed Russell. Russell.
1: Uh, I would uh, not have guessed Rose. David Ross David does not Ross. hang <laughs> with Chance the Rapper <laughs> Ross isn't a Grammys I would have guessed <laughs> Dexter Fowler actually He's not, He's not on, on the Cubs, Cubs anymore though Oh Cardinal. wow yeah, yeah um, I wouldn't
2: have even asked the, yeah I wouldn't have said Chicago Sports Star. Rizzo, Rizzo does walk up
1: to you. Of course Rizzo walks up to a lot of stuff Yeah, yeah. Uh, That makes sense Alright alright alright
2: Alright Alright right, last question for the win You're on 7 points Zach Wingrove has 8 Don't Philly try. Sports Special Which Philadelphia team is trying to hire a chief tattoo
0: officer? What? For real? The thing is, it's you have like a one in five chance of getting this. And
2: you had a one in three chance if you knew any flyers that Which weren't I ragged. Which I don't, no why but would I?
1: Um, let's go with the Sixers. No, incorrect.
2: Now yes. well, I actually gave this question away because I said, looking at this, there are two soccer questions left. And I asked you about Carly Lloyd. Oh, you did and say that this that is a That memory profession. retention that uh, we was fast So, the memory retention on PSG. <laughs> fast asleep. Sleeping on the details. This is the Philadelphia Union, for whatever reason, have decided to hire a chief tattoo officer for the fans and the team. And anyone else who wants a tattoo will sit in that PPL park. Wow. So, there you have it. Uh, Zach Wingrove with the narrow 8 to 7 win wow. in the Lightning round. Um, it's been a special podcast here at Sports Voice After Dark. Covered a lot of ground. We covered a lot of ground. Thanks to Zach Wingrove for coming in on short notice. Thanks to Matt McHugh, reliable as ever. And Thanks to Ben Pope for guest uh, segmenting in on Northwestern Baseball and Basketball. I'm now Malik. Thanks for listening to Sports Voice After Dark.